What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. Um, we're going to pick up in verse 30. So here's kind of the word for the year. I don't know if you guys remember this, but we said our word for this year is we want to know God, right? Not just have knowledge about him, but like to know him. Like we, like we know our spouses, like we know those that we love, like to have a, an intimate relationship with him. So what I want to do is I want to continue that pursuit today. Right, we're going to look at a very common story. It's often, it's probably overpreached. Like that sounds really bad when you say it in reference to the Bible. But when you hear this story, you're going to be like, "Oh, I've heard that one a million and a half times." Or you're going to hear it two million today. So, uh, but I, what I want to do is I want to look at how Jesus responds in certain situations and just see what else we can learn as far as walking out our faith walk. So, uh, before this story, an, an amazing miracle takes place. Jesus will feed, the Bible says 5,000. At that time, they only counted men. So he fed about roughly 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That happens. So imagine this major miracle takes place. Then they're about to see something also amazing. But we're only going to look at two verses right here. It says, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he being Peter, he was afraid. And he began to sink. Uh, Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Today I want to talk to you from this place, uh, from the place of don't turn back. Don't turn back. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, don't turn back. Don't turn back. Let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for today. God, I thank you just for the opportunity to just come and worship you. God, for us to gather as a family and tell the world and, and talk about how good you are. God, if there's anything that we know is true, is that you are a good God and that you are always with us. So God, show yourself today. So in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So sitting down, thinking about it, getting to dive in the message, I figured out that I think one of the most haunting questions we can ask ourselves is what if? Like, what if I would have done this? When I was younger, what if I would have put more effort into this? What if I would have dated so-and-so, right? The question, what if, could be a haunting question because it always makes us look backwards. You know what I mean? I I think about scenarios where we kind of create this situation. So imagine with maybe it's the beginning of the year and what happens at the beginning of the year? People like to set what? New Year's resolutions, right? Maybe, maybe it's a new situation like where you're getting married, so you're going into a marriage, the marriage is new, the marriage is fresh. Maybe you found out amazing new that you're, that, that you're pregnant with a child on the way. And, and for many of us, these are exciting things, right? But there's something that I've learned. We're so much better at starting things than we are at finishing them, Right? Think about it, like the idea of starting something new gets us excited because of the potential of what could be on the other end. But the other part of this is that with many of our goals and many of these situations, we start things without planning for obstacles. 
You know what I mean? How many of you, when you got married, thought, hey, we're going to get in fights as we get older? No, you were thinking about traveling the world and what married people do. You know what I mean? Like just throwing it out there. When you're pregnant and you've got a baby, you know what I mean? Many of us don't think about obstacles in the pregnancy. We see the pregnancy going full term, the baby coming out healthy, maybe being potty trained and walking. You know what I mean? Just me. Okay. But you know what I mean? Like there's so many things. But then we hear about the obstacles that happen. Yeah, let's use fitness as a reference. Many people, they, they see themselves, they're like, you know what, I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to have abs. I'm going to look like a Spartan warrior. And then you get into it and you realize it's so much harder than I thought it was. And then what happens? We're, we're all faced with this choice. We have this choice, this decision to make. Will I keep moving forward or will I turn back? Will, will I progress? Will I push? Will I persevere? Will I keep taking another step? Or will I just turn back because it costs too much? It's too hard. It's too much effort. It's not the way that I thought it was going to be. See, there, I think there's two different sides of what if that we can live on. Many of us live on the wrong side of it. Many of us ask what if and we look backwards. What if I would have done this? What if we would have saved? What if we would have done this? When we ask what if and we look backwards, oftentimes it leads us to a place of regret. But there's another side of it that we need to live on. It's what if in looking forward. What happens if I do see this through? What happens if I do finish? What happens if our marriage may be in a tough spot, but we don't give up on each other? What happens if we don't like stand in opposition to each other, but determined in our hearts and minds that no, God brought us together, so we're going to push through this? You know I mean, I think the opposite or the, the solution uh, to to what if is is uh, I had a coach. He used to say this: find out. That was his statement. Find out. You never have to ask what if if you find out. This is what this coach meant. Like it, uh, growing up playing baseball, I I love watching ESPN top ten during baseball season because there's so many opportunities for amazing plays. And a lot of times they're diving. Like guy hits a, a ball in the gap and the outfielder runs it down, makes a diving like Superman leaps, is parallel to the ground, catches the ball, and makes a diving catch. Well, in baseball, we had this coach that if he if he if somebody hit a ball, you were on defense and you didn't make a like a diving attempt for the ball, he would ask you this question. He'd go, "Hey, could you fought, could you have caught that ball?" The worst possible response to him was, "I don't know." As soon as you started to say, "I don't know," he would shout at you, "Well, find out!" Like find out. He would rather listen. The goal, if you're an outfielder, is to not let the ball get by you. He would rather you dive and find out if you could have caught the ball and then get it inside the parker than you let it drop and, and not know. And for many of us, that's what it needs to be like with our faith. Many of us, there's things that God has called us to, God has told us to step into, and when we walk into it, it gets a little hard, and the question now comes, am I going to keep going? Am I going to find out what's like on the other side? Or will I turn back? Or will I turn back? That's what's going to happen in today's story. In today's story, we're going to answer the same question. The same thing is going to be presented. And it starts off. Let's look at it. Verse 22 says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Now, what is what what has just happened? Jesus has just fed the 5,000. So after feeding the 5,000, he tells them, hey, get into the boat. And then it says, go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. 
After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by waves because the wind was against them. Now, well, here's what I do. Before we start talking about all the different scenarios going on, the first thing I want to do is I want to focus on Jesus. I think that's a great spot, don't you guys? The answer is yes, we're in church, okay? It's all about Jesus, right? All right I want to focus on Jesus, right? So he feeds a whole bunch of people with a Lunchable, and then what's the very first thing that he does? It says that he sends the disciples across, and he, said, and he goes and gets along with God, right? To, to Jesus, prayer wasn't an option. Prayer was a necessity, right? And, and something I think we need to realize is if that something was a necessity to Jesus, how much more is it a necessity for us? You know I mean, think about it. Let me tell you, if, if it was us, this is what I think Jesus would have looked like. If, it was, if Jesus acted the way that we do, hey, guys, we're going to get in the boat. I'm going to pray on the way. And then what happens? A storm hits. Now Jesus can't pray because he's rowing or doing some other stuff, right? For many of us, that's our approach. I need to pray. But this is going on. And this is going on. And this is going on. Instead of giving God our full attention. Yeah, I, I, I have a, a, a four-year-old son at home, and I've learned that I cannot tell him anything when the TV is on. Bradley, go clean up your room. Okay. No, like now. Okay. Son, did you hear what I said? I need you to go clean. But as long as the TV's on, he's, I mean, he can respond, which is, oh, that's how many of us do our faith, Right? Jesus, God is telling us to do something, and we're just like, we're distracted by life. We're distracted by our finances. We're distracted by our struggles. We're distracted by our blessings. And God's like, no, 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 I told you to move. I would propose that a lot of times our prayer life looks a lot like Bradley when I'm telling him to go clean his room. I, confession. That's a lot of times what my prayer life looks like. We get caught up in the busyness of all the things that we think is important, but there's nothing more important than spending time with the one who spent time making you. The one who was intentional about creating. You know what I love about Psalms 139? This is how important you, you are to God. One, obviously Jesus died for you. You mean so he sent his son to the cross so that, he could, that, that you could spend eternity with him? But Psalms 139 says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? means God is intentional in creating you. You weren't an accident. Every feature about you was intentional. But then it says this. It says that his thoughts about you outnumber the grains of sand. So God wasn't just intentional in making you. He never stops thinking about you. That's how much you matter to God. And then for many of us, our prayer time is, God, man, I just hope that, oh, wait, hold on a second, God, I'll come back to you. Red Sox are playing. God, I'll come back to you. This is going on. You know what I mean? Like, for Jesus to spend intentional time with God, I think just shows us how much more we need to. How much more, to, like, we just need to be alone with him. I mean, can you imagine trying to get to know your spouse but never saying a word to him? Can you imagine how close your relationship would be if every time your spouse talked to you, you were distracted by something else? Is it possible that that's how we treat our relationship with God? You know what I mean? Super quiet. You'll high-five your neighbor and say, it's okay. <laughs> we can make a difference. 
<laughs> so this is what happened. Jesus tells them to go to the other side, right? He tells them to go to the other side. Then the storm hits. Uh, this part is really interesting to me. So for many of us, we think like a lot of our struggles happen because we're disobeying God, right? Anybody remember the story of Jonah? Story of Jonah, right? Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to tell him to repent. Where does he go? He goes to Tarshish. Why does that storm happen? Because he's doing the opposite of what God told him to do, right? For many of us, when troubles happen, like how many of you have ever asked the question, God, what did I do wrong? Or talk to somebody else. I guess I'm doing like I'm running away from God. Like life just got hard. There's storms happening. What's going wrong? Well, let me ask this question. What did Jesus tell them to do in this part? He said, get in a boat, go to the other side. What are they doing? They got in a boat. They're heading to the other side. So is this storm happening because they are disobeying God? No. Can I tell you something? Sometimes life gets hard when we're following God. You mean sometimes the evidence that you're following God is you end up in a storm. You mean anybody ever been in that spot? Like, God, why? I'm doing what you told me to do. Why is it so hard? Anybody ever been there? God, I know you told me this. It's not supposed to be like this. Like, isn't it, shouldn't it be easier? Why is there all of a sudden a storm when I'm doing what you told me to do? Sounds like the scenarios we were talking about at the beginning, right? They, they are literally following Jesus. Jesus told them, go to the other side. They're going to the other side. What does it say? That they're, that they, they're off some distance. The, the, then the, what's called the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is only eight miles wide. They've been rowing for probably four hours. That's how hard the wind was coming against them. They've been rowing for some time. You know what's crazy? Is Jesus is on a mountaintop praying and watching it happen. You know what I mean? He sees them in their struggle. And I think at this point, they're faced with this choice. Hey, will we just continue to the other side or will we turn our boat around? Think about it. Like, let's be real. I've been rowing for some time. It feels like I'm not making any progress. How much easier would life be if I just turned my boat around? The truth is, I probably wouldn't have to row. You know what I mean? Like the wind would just carry me back to where I came from. But then the big question is, what would we miss out on after that? You mean, if what we know is true about God, and if God sends us places and tells us to do things and created this purpose inside of us for a reason, then are we willing to risk not knowing what that is for our comfortability? I mean, it would have been more comfortable to turn the boat around. The question, if if you're them, is if we turn the boat around, what are we going to miss out on? So we know that, that Jesus, the Bible says that he finishes praying. One of the other gospels, when it records this story, it says Jesus comes walking on the water as if to pass by. <laughs> so it's not that Jesus was walking by them to really catch their attention. You know why Jesus was walking by them? To meet them where he told them he was going to meet them. Real easy. Like Jesus is going to go to the other side because that's where he told them to go. Now remember, Jesus is walking on the water. What is happening at this time? The same storm. That means as Jesus is walking, Jesus is getting slapped by waves. He's getting rained on. He's walking in opposition to the wind. There's not this like bubble around Jesus where it's like perfect and the sun's climbing through and it's like, ah, it's not happening. Jesus is like legit walking on water in the same storm that they are trapped in. 
This is what the Bible says in verse 26. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. He said, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then Peter answered. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Climbing out of the boat, Peter started to walk on water, and he came towards Jesus. All right, so, so let's break this down. So they see Jesus, and they're afraid. Did you see how Jesus responded? Anybody catch that? It says immediately. Right? They're, they're following God. They're in the middle of a storm. They see Jesus walking on the water. They, they're, they're afraid. They're terrified. They think it's a ghost. And it says immediately Jesus responds. I want us to hold on to that, okay? Because what we haven't done is recognize that this is the second time immediately he's been used in this story. Right? When the Bible repeats things, it means something. Right? It's trying to catch our attention. So Jesus has responded immediately, twice. And what does he say? He says, have courage. It is I. If you were to look at the original language, he says this. Have courage. I am. Now I am should ring some bells. What is I am? I am is God's name. Can you think of a time where we've missed out on the fact that God was with us, maybe even standing in front of us because we were afraid? I mean, think about it. Like how many times in our life has fear taken over us to the point where we couldn't recognize that God was still with us? For some of us, that may be where we are today, is that God has called us into something. Can I, uh, let, me, let me just tell you this. Um, I want to be careful on how I say this. I, I don't think fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is just an opportunity for great courage. I don't think fear is the opposite of faith. I think it's an opportunity for great courage. If you read the book of Joshua, he tells them, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid, many different times. He never questioned his faith. He just said, don't be afraid. Be strong and be courageous. Uh, in fact, Mark Twain would say that fear is not the, the absence, or courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the mastery of it. You know what I mean? If you believe what we believe, which is that God has created each and every one of us for a purpose, that we're not here by accident, then what God has called you to is going to require you to depend on him. What does that mean? It's bigger than you. It's going to require the Holy Spirit to have to move through you. Does that make sense? And I think sometimes that, that takes us into places that we're uncertain and we're afraid. You know what I mean? But Jesus responds immediately to their fear. And he says, listen, hey, guys, I'm here. I'm with you. You know, one of my favorite promises from God is it's in, at the end of Matthew chapter 28. He says, I will be with you even till the end of the age. You know what I mean? Have, have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that even in our hardest moments of life, God hasn't turned his back on us? Right? Uh, one of my favorite Psalms says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. This is pre-Jesus. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Well, according to the new covenant, who's considered righteous? Those that believe in Jesus. Right? So the, the psalmist is saying, like, listen, I've never seen those 
who are deemed righteous in the eyes of God, forsaken. I've never seen him turn his back on them. I've never seen their children begging for bread. What does that mean? Even if God calls you into something hard, for some, like this is super cool that we had Jen Takeover last week because for Jen Takeover, for some of our students, that's hard. God was with them. And the truth is, is some people were affected by it. The Holy Spirit moved through that generation. Why? Because they had an opportunity for courage and their faith shined through. Does that make sense? So in their fear, God responds immediately. And and I love this because this is where the story gets real big. Peter shouts. He says, Jesus, bro. Modern translation, sorry. Um, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus, notice, Jesus doesn't give him this big elaborate speech. He says one word. Come here. I'll tell you how I see it. We're, we're currently working with Juju right now. My, my dude is super strong. Juju's one, he just turned one, like last week. He's, I don't get it. Like the dude can pick up a stand up, pick up a basketball over his head, but he will not walk. Like pray for me, people, right? But one thing that, that I noticed that is that when Juju, when we're trying to get him to walk, if you remember when your kids were trying to walk, how did you stand? You stood like this and you're like, come here, come here, Right? Walking's brand new for them. You want me to tell you why I think Juju doesn't walk now? Is I think he's afraid of falling. Like, so I so, so, so I imagine Peter saying, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out of the water. And, and like a father, Jesus is like, come on. Peter, come on. And what happens? We know it says that, that Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on water. Like, like Peter makes, like, distance. Like, if the steps are the boat, Peter's not like, when he sinks, he's not like right here. Peter's like making, like, he's away from the boat. He's walking. He's making progress towards Jesus. Now, here's where things get interesting, is if anybody would have known that water could not support them, who would have, who would have been? It would have been Peter. Peter was a fisherman. Peter spent his life out on the water. He spent his life out on the Sea of Galilee. A storm like this wouldn't have been a surprise to him. Right? So, so I guess the question that comes to mind is, why would Peter get out of the boat if he knows that water holds boats, not people? Why would he get out of the boat? I think the answer is simple. Because Jesus said he could. Are there things that we've turned around, where we've turned our boat and walked away from, because we were afraid of what was logical instead of what was spoken? The one who stands on the water and waves told him that he could walk on something that wasn't supposed to support him. The one who is often calling us to the hard stuff is doing the same thing. And how many times have we just been like, ah, I don't know, Jesus. I saw so-and-so do this. They didn't make it. Okay, that's fine. I didn't call them. I called you. Notice, Thomas didn't get out of the boat. 
I mean, John didn't get out of the boat. Is it possible because that, they, that they didn't get out of the boat was because Jesus didn't tell them to, but he told Peter? I mean, uh, I think we've got to get to this point where if Jesus says it, we believe it 100%. We have to. Isn't that what faith is? Isn't that what faith is? Is believing that if God has called us to it, it's going to be cheesy because it rhymes. I'm not trying to be cheesy, but he'll get us through it. Right? Isn't that, isn't that what it is? Isn't that like the, the whole Old Testament is testimony after testimony after testimony of the same thing happening? Joshua, I'm going to give Jericho, you, I'm going to, give Jericho to you. In fact, it's already yours. No, it's not. I see it standing right there. They're in the walls. We're outside of the walls. What do you mean? Well, it's going to be a little unorthodox. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around the walls for seven days. Trust me, they're going to fall. How many of y'all are signing? No, that doesn't make sense. Until it happens. (laughs) There's a book I'm reading right now called Crazy Faith, and Mike Todd says it only sounds crazy until it happens. Right? Walking around the wall sounds pretty crazy when you're trying to go to war until they fall. Walking on water only sounds crazy until you're standing on it. You know what I mean? How many, oh man, how many of us are missing out on that? It sounds crazy. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. Okay, Peter got out of the boat. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. You know what I mean? I, 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 here's a question that I have is I wonder how many people were in the boat like, Peter, Peter, bro, you know, bro, you, you hefty. You ate a whole lot of carbs at that last meal. I don't think you're going to float, man. You know what I mean? Thomas, Thomas is in the boat. Man, I doubt you're going to make it. Mm. John's like, well, I would race you, but water doesn't work. You know what I mean? I don't, I get... How many, my question is like, how many people in his life would have told him not to get out of the boat? How many people in our lives are telling us not to go after the thing that God's called us to go after? And they use logic and reason to explain it. Well, Peter, if you, if you look at H2O chemicals, it's a liquid, you're a solid, you're just going to, mm, right down to the bottom. Logically, it makes sense, right? Un- until Jesus is the one that's calling you out on the water. I think the biggest question we have to ask is how much do we really trust the word of God? Right? How much do we really trust it? How much do we really believe in it? And, and here's what I mean. How much do we believe in it beyond quoting it? I think it's one thing to quote something. I think it's another thing to walk it out. I know it's, it, let's use it in a fitness perspective. It's one thing to know you need to eat clean. It's another thing to walk it out. Come on, somebody. Fried chicken, sign your boy up. But like, that's how life is. It's one thing to, to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it. Uh, there's another book I was looking about, and, and that it's called The Deeply Formed Life. And one of the opening statements that he makes is that even in, in modern Christianity, we're, we are formed by superficiality instead of by deep movements inside of us. Like we're, we're shaped by shallow, immediate things instead of this life transformation that takes place from the inside out. I I, I think a celebratory moment in our faith 
is where I have faith to get out of a boat and stand on God's word. I heard a pastor say this one time, that Peter didn't step out. He didn't walk on water. He stood on the word of God. Right? He stood on the word of God. mm, There's a lot of texts that talk about Jesus being our foundation. How much do we trust it? Like, how much do we really believe in the word of God? Like, do we believe in it more than, than just quoting it? Do we believe it enough to walk it out? And for how long? So, so let's, we're going to go look at the next verse. But remember, they're in a storm. Why are they in the storm? Jesus sent them. Okay. Peter is now on the water. Why is he on the water? Because Jesus called him. Okay. Both circumstances is them following God. Verse 30 says this. When he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Uh, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, here's the part of the story that confuses me, right? Um, here's why. Circumstantially, what's changed? Nothing. When Peter gets out of the boat, remember I told you Jesus was walking on water in the storm, getting slapped by waves, getting rained on, getting hit with the wind. When Peter gets out of the boat, what's going on? The same thing. The wind didn't stop. The storm didn't stop. The rain's still coming down. Like, they're still getting hit by the same water, wind, and waves that Jesus was getting hit on. They're still getting hit with the same storm that was in opposition to them as they were rowing. Nothing has stopped changing. Or nothing has changed. Everything is circumstantially the same. And the part that I think the reason that baffles me is because Peter is making progress towards Jesus. He's walking toward, he's like doing this faith thing, right? He's away from the boat. He, you know, Juju, when he walks, he does, he likes the supported walk. If you've got his finger, if he, as long as he's got something to put his hand on, he'll walk all day. He panics when I'm here. He's safe here. He panics when I'm here. Peter's not here. Peter's here. He's off the boat. Like, he's not holding on to it. He's off. He's made distance. He's progressing. And then something happens. One of two things happens. One is he either takes his eye off Jesus, which, if we're going to be completely honest, how many times has that happened in our life? You know you're following God. You're in the middle of an obstacle. You're in the middle of a struggle. And all you can focus on is your struggle instead of the one who called you out into the storm. We're all been there. I've been there. If, if you've been there, it's okay. But it's why we need people. It's why we need people to, to point us and remind us that, hey, no, man, I know it sucks right now. And I, Can I say that? Too late. I know it's hard, but you said that God called you to it. And as your friend, I'm not going to let you stop. I'll walk with you. I'll check on you. I'll do whatever you need me to do. But you said God called you to it. Quit focusing on the problems and focus on the one who called you because he hasn't left you and he hasn't turned his back on you. You want to know why church matters? For that reason. Man, we just need more people in our life that remind us, no, 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 bro. You said God told you this. 
You said God called you on the water. We need some people that are willing to just take our focus off of the struggles and, and I'm gonna say, the crap going on in the world and point us back to the one who's in, like, who's in charge, the one who gives hope, the one who restores, the one who heals, the one who brings life. We need people to get our eyes off of Facebook and say, no, 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 listen, the hope that you need isn't found on some social media outlet. It's found in the Word of God and in the body of believers. You mean, that's what we need. So he, he sinks either because he takes his eyes off Jesus and starts focusing on the wind and the waves, or he's walking towards them and a wave crosses in front of him. And all of a sudden, he can't see the one who he was focus on. Sometimes our problems get so big that they try to stand in the way. Either way, we still need people in our life that say, hey, I need you to remember that this is what God called you to. I need you to see it through. I need you to walk it out. Verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand. Everybody say immediately. How many times is the, the, the text said immediately? That's three now right? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of me. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. So how does Jesus respond? Immediately. I think this is something that is extremely hopeful for all of us. That when we're following God and fear shows up, Jesus responds immediately. When you're following God and and you become afraid, Jesus shows up immediately. Now, for many of us, we miss out on it because we expect immediately to be some sort of burning bush experience. But sometimes immediately is other people. Sometimes you're walking life out and you're afraid and somebody shows up and they just give you a word of encouragement that that you needed right there. Sometimes immediately is you looking in the Bible and the Bible talking exactly to right where you are. Sometimes immediately is just this uh, unexplainable, overwhelming feeling of peace and comfort that's inside of you. I think... I think we often overlook the, overlook the little things, how God responds, because we're always looking for a burning bush experience. Do they happen? Yeah. But it's not the only way that God moves. You know? In their fear, it says that he responds immediately. And I don't, you know, to be honest, when I can look back on some of the stuff that I've gone through in my life, I don't think it's changed. I remember, I remember uh, when we were at the loft, and I've shared this a couple times, but um, we were at the loft and we were pregnant with Bradley. We had a big old dog. We're in a one-bedroom apartment. We're like, we got to find a place to live. So we, we were like, we're going to try to buy a house. There were so many uncertainties. Um, one was one of the jobs that I had didn't take taxes out. So I had been setting aside taxes. I had no idea how much I was going to have to pay. At the end of the year, two is it's really hard to get a loan when you're, both of your jobs are part-time. Three, Alexis was in school. We weren't, I mean, we weren't balling, you know what I mean, by any means. And I remember coming home from work one day and just like throwing myself at the side of my bed and asking God, like, why is it so much easier to talk about your word than it is to live it? 
Why is it so much easier to preach it than it is to actually walk it out? Because right now, God, like I'm struggling. Right now, I feel like I have no faith. Right now, I feel like it's not going to work out. And I need you. Like I need you to come through. The next day, I got a call from our CPA. And she had told me, Matt, hey, I got great news. And I was like, okay, drop it on me. She said, um, you, you actually don't owe any money. You're going to get a nice return back. That return ended up being almost exactly what we needed to put a down payment on a house. And we got approved. I mean, immediately. God responded immediately. It doesn't always look like a burning bush, but I think we need to be more aware to God moving in our life anyways. We're looking for all of these giant miracles all over the place and then filling our minds with all the tragedy and stuff going on around the world. We're supposed to be the most hopeful people on the the planet. Everybody else around the world is supposed to be blessed because of people filled with the Holy Spirit. And the only way that that's going to shift and change is if we start to look for God instead of the crap going on everywhere else. (sighs) He responds immediately. I love this part. So Jesus catches him and he says this. He says, Peter, why do you have such little faith? Why do you doubt? Now, what's interesting is the word doubt in this also means to hesitate. So imagine, if you will, that Peter's walking on the water. He's excited. He's going towards Jesus. And then all of a sudden, it's like he stops and this thought in his mind goes, I'm on water. And that's when he starts to see. It's like he forgets the fact that God is the one that that called him. It's, It's like he forgets the fact that I'm like, I've already made some distance from the boat. Some of you, that's where you are right now. God has called you into something and you're out of the boat already. Celebrate the fact that you're out of the boat. Right? Celebrate, realize that you have actually taken steps towards the thing that God has told you to go towards. But don't hesitate. Don't stop. Hold on to that word that he gave you. Right, And that we say that everything that God speaks doesn't return void, right? If it was that way yesterday, it's not changing today. And it's for sure not going to change tomorrow. So he, so he grabs him. And I think we read this, and I think we think that he's like, like chewing him out or speaking down to him. I think I see this text a little bit different. I see Jesus grabbing his hand. And, and I imagine him saying, like, hey, Peter, did you think I'd let you drown? Like, like, I'm the one that called you out on the water. Did you think I'd let you die right here? Did you think I'd let you drown? Did you think I'd give up on you? Did you think I'd turn my back on you? Did you think I'd forget? I think it changes everything. I think it changes our perspective on everything. Like if God is calling us to it, one, Jesus is not going to let us die right there. 
And for whoever is in the room that needs that, man, I hope that that encourages you to keep walking forward, to keep taking that step. Because here's the truth. Just because you feel like you're drowning doesn't mean that you are. I heard somebody say this, is that sometimes when you feel like you're drowning, it's actually cleansing. Like God is cleaning you. He's preparing you. Strengthening you. Maybe teaching us to rely on Him. That's faith, right? That's faith. Here's where I want to end. Let's go back to the original question. What happens if they turn the boat around? What happens if they don't find out? What happens if they don't see it through? Well, one, they won't see Jesus walking on the water, right? The Bible says that they see him and they start to worship him. They saw a different part of Jesus that they've never seen. They've seen Jesus silence storms, but they've never seen him walk on water. Two, they miss seeing, if they turn the boat around, they miss seeing that if Jesus tells you to do something illogical, that you can do it. Three, they miss an opportunity to witness great faith in a peer, in a brother. I think the biggest thing, though, that matters the most is they just miss out on seeing a different side of God that they've never seen. All because they didn't find out. All because they didn't just see it through. So here's my question for us. When it comes to you and your faith walk, will you find out or will you turn your boat around? Because just like finding out has an expression, uh, we get to see God in a different way, uh, we have a different experience that we've never had, turning the boat around has consequences too. Just like yeses have blessings, noes have consequences. My prayer for us as a church is that we would be a people that's tired of turning our boats around and we want to find out everything that we can about Jesus. And when he calls us, we would walk no matter the wind, no matter the waves, no matter the obstacles, that we would stand firm on his word instead of whatever it is that we're walking on. If you guys will stand up with me. We'll pray, and then we'll worship. So, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much. God, I thank you that you, could, that you would use somebody like Peter, somebody who's sometimes impulsive, but somebody who's also bold. God, and I pray that we would have faith like him, that when you tell us to move, we would trust in your word. That we would walk out on the thing that you tell us to walk on. That we would work towards or move towards the direction that you've called us to go. And understand that if there's any obstacles in the way, that you would use those to grow us and you would use us to strengthen us. Is what James says. Consider it pure joy when you face obstacles of many times, of many kinds. Because the perseverance or the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And when perseverance has finished its work, you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God, I pray that for us.
That we would be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Unafraid of the wind and the waves. God, we love you too. We pray in your voice. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.